Hello, welcome to Kingdom Come. It's a great day, Steve. Here we are. We get to do this again. I know. It's. Uh, <laughs> I can't believe we get to do this. This is I, amazing. I am so looking forward to today's show because, first of all, we care about you. We care about you listening. We had a great response uh, to the show so far. Today's show is, is titled Jesus Style of Discipleship. And uh, I'm one of your co-hosts, Scott Spiewak, and I'm with my buddy, Steve. Hey, good to be with everybody. It's raining outside, uh, but we'll say that's the uh, that's God's blessing uh, upon New England. So Steve just returned from a great uh, TV interview out in uh, Pennsylvania on a national TV show talking about Holy Spirit. So things are really starting to germinate, and uh, we're excited to dive in today to teach you and talk with you and model for you Jesus' style of discipleship. It's one of my favorite things, Steve, because... It's not only a buzzword right now in Christendom, um, but it's, in my mind, it's a little bit religious. <laughs> well, it's interesting because you, you look at, you know, it's like, you know, if you've been in Christian any, any amount of time here in, in uh, the United States, it's like when we say discipleship, everybody has a certain, everybody goes to a journal or a book that they're following. Right. And nothing wrong with that. But what Scott and I are, are discovering, it's like we're reading the Bible for what it actually says, and we're just, we're, we're not living in this little box, right? Well, I think too, Steve, we, we mentally assent to a lot of things in Christendom. We take for granted what we're being told. And discipleship for me has always been a dirty word. <laughs> you know, Why is that? I, <laughs> I've been around the block on and what I do for a living, and I've heard so many ways of discipleship, and it never, it never resonated with me. I always found it really boring. Mm. I almost found it like ecumenical. Like it just never did anything for me inside. Like every time I heard someone talk about it, I, I had a famous, you know, NFL chaplain that I worked with, and he was the disciple of all disciplers. And but the modeling of it was so boring. I just didn't, I never, it never sparked anything in me. Um, I never saw it really modeled or walked out or I heard it talked about or I was told what it is mm. and I was even taught what it is, but it never, it never went anywhere for me. Yeah. It's almost like, uh, you know, what, what, uh, what we've heard versus what we actually see in scripture. And, and I think that's a good segue, Scott, to, Take, let's take a little bit of time and let's actually go into what the scriptures actually say about discipleship. And I, I love going to what we're actually going to start just real quickly uh, at Luke chapter 9. Let's look at how Jesus discipled. Because if we can look, Scott, at how Jesus discipled, it will really begin to unlock how we're supposed to be discipling. And so we'll look at Luke chapter 9, verse 1. It says, uh, then he called, and I'm just reading out of the King James, then he called his 12 <clears throat> disciples together <clears throat> and, gave, excuse me, and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure all diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And so um, using the NFL analogy, Scott, right, that we've been talking about, this is like Jesus discipling the first 12 coaches. I got the coaches. And later on in, in chapter 9, it says that, that they're the apostles. So I got the coaches. I got the 12 coaches. Jesus is going to disciple them on how to disciple. And he That's says, like the small group of all small groups. <laughs> if you're in that group, you're, you're someone. It's like as hot as it gets. Like, dang, you got picked for that group? 
by Jesus himself. <laughs> and so what does he do? He didn't sit them down and hand out journals. Nothing wrong with journals. I journal. I like to journal. I I got away from it. I did. I have to be honest. But it's okay. I'm, I'm feeling this, this draw back to it. Because, like you said, reading the Bible for the first time, I'm I'm being drawn to to prove my myself studied, right? And and you know, some of you guys know we take these tents out on the streets, and I'm finding that when I don't have the answer, Steve, <laughs> I gotta dig in and find the answer for yeah. the for the angry agnostic that's yeah. that's ticked off at me that I'm there, or right. or the mad you know pick a denomination, the mad person that doesn't believe in evangelism. Right. You know, God for me is personal. Um, that's what they'll tell me. And I'm going, good, <laughs> good, go tell somebody. <laughs> so I think, again, we're, we're expanding what we're saying, right? We're, we're not saying journalism, uh, journaling is bad because I love to journal. I, when the Lord speaks to me, I, re- I like to write it down because uh, there was six months might go by and I go back and I go, oh, Lord, you did say that. You did, and it anchors me. However, what we're saying is, there, let's look at how Jesus discipled because there's more. And as you look at how he discipled the original 12, he sent them out and said, all right, go preach, go heal, go set people free. So that's what he did to the original 12. Then in Luke chapter 10, he brings the 70. Who are the 70, Scott? That's more players on the team. Just regular players, right? So you got the original 12 coaches, and now you have 70 players. The plumbers, the heaters, the painters, the, you know, pick a guy. That's right. Pick a girl. That's right. Girls are on the team. Joe and Jill, average believer. (laughs) Joe and Jill. There's 70 of Joe and Jill, average believer. And God brings them together. Jesus brings them together and trains them disciples them just like he did the 12. He says, all right, you 70, go out, preach the gospel, and heal the sick. And we read in, in Luke uh, So Luke there was 10. no class. There was no small group discussion. There was no 12-week DVD sermon series. You know, someone asked me once, well, when you get someone saved, do you train them to be in the tents? And I said, no. Well, you let them in the tent right away? He's like, Yeah. Yeah, we we say, go, watch, here, let's go get a burrito. And I talk to him along the way, and then we come back and I go, here, here's a fish. Right. Tell him what happened. And we don't, we don't, we don't, uh, religious, we, you know, I don't even know what the word is, religiosity them. We don't do that. We go opposite. We right. go lifestyle. Right. We go, boom, you're, you're born again, you're on the team. And I think that's the point that we're trying to make here. Is that's dis- what Jesus did. Discipleship, it's kind of like, you know, when you take you take your six-year-old son fishing for the first time. You're on the boat. You're like, all right, take take the fishing pole out, put, put the worm on, put it in, and you both have poles. And so as, as, and you're, you're, as you're doing it together, right, there's a little bit of coaching, a little bit of feedback, but it's while you're doing it, not just talking about it, but actually doing it. And that's what we're, that's what Jesus did. He discipled as they did it. Now go preach the gospel, go lay hands on the sick and, and, and get people healed. And, um, as, as you're doing it, like, we'll give you some feedback as you go, but let's go do, uh, you know, uh, the work of the ministry, which is sharing the gospel, getting people healed, setting people free. Well, and most people today, the premise is, 
um, get him to church. Jesus didn't model that, Steve. That's right. He didn't model. You're stepping on toes right here. He Scott. didn't model get him to the building. Um, he didn't model get them signed up, connect them to the church right away. He modeled go tell them your story. Go walk with them. Go spend time with them. He never mentions bringing them to the building. And and I'm fascinated by this because, you know, it's it's fascinating by doing this in the tents. You know, I had one pastor get really ticked at me, like told him this amazing testimony. We prayed for 335 people this summer at one event. And I was so excited to tell them. And his first response to me was, yeah, but are you discipling them? The answer is yes, Scott. Yes, According to Jesus's discipleship style. We had them in the tent for four days. And what's fascinating is, you know, I was saying to, to Steve before the show is what a byproduct of modeling it in this way is community. Yeah. Everybody I talk to right now across the country especially young people. The buzzword is community. Everybody wants to belong to something right now. And I know that you listening, you want to feel a part of something. It's like the old cheers song. You know, mm. you want to go where everybody knows your name. That's right. You know? um, the byproduct of living this way is community gets formed. That's right. So we're not pushing community. We're not trying to have a system for getting people into our community, we're modeling Jesus' lifestyle of discipleship, and the byproduct is people are connecting to us. That's right. We're not asking them to sign a card. We're not asking them to join for the class. We're saying, come on with us. You're going to love this. We're connecting spirit to spirit. So what's happening is they're going, gosh, I, I really like this. This is really cool. And they're wanting to come back, Steve. We're getting people, we're getting believers off the bench and onto the game field uh, to play the game. And, and in the process of playing the game, they build relationships together. To your point, Scott, you know, it's like the defensive end and the tackle. They're next to each other. They're playing the game. They're praying for people. They share their testimony when the people leave the tent or, or when they leave your coffee shop or wherever it is that you're hanging out and doing your thing. And that's where that relationship, that, that koinonia, that community gets built. And so if we, you know, if, if the early church functioned the way that we function today, which is to get everybody into a building, and there's nothing wrong with a, a building, and we're going to talk in the next segment, we're going to talk about the difference between the church and the kingdom. We'll talk about that in the next section. But the early church would have died right in Acts chapter 8. So let's look at Acts chapter 8 just for a second. Acts chapter 8. So here we are. In, 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 in Luke 9, Jesus trains the, the, the 12, the coaches. In Luke 10, he disciples and trains the 70, Joe and Jill, average believer, to go out and pray and heal and, and set people free from the demonic oppression, all that. Let's see if that continued. Because in Acts chapter 8, it says this is where... Stephen, you know, uh, Stephen was just martyred. There's great persecution on the church. And it says all of the apostles stayed in Jerusalem, but everybody left town. And they went to Judea, Samaria, and all the other regions. Yeah, they, they scattered. And, and I wondered if they stayed because when Jesus ascended in Acts 1, he said, you guys have to stay here. <laughs> and I wondered yesterday, studying for this show, if... If that's why they stayed, 
I mean, imagine the king of glory. You know, the last thing he tells you is to stay in town. Mm. And, I mean, I would be riveted. Like, you know, these guys were getting mobbed, thronged for believing in Jesus. This was not like, you know, today where where we have all these chasms in, in belief systems. This was serious persecution against these, like, death threats. That's right. We do have that going on in, in politics, but... You know, imagine having a death threat on your life for being a believer, and they stayed. Like, let's put this in perspective. Yeah. This was serious. Like, and they stayed. Yeah, this is when Saul Saul's persecuting the church. He's hauling people off uh, to prison. Um, I mean, this was a serious thing. Like, believing in Jesus at this time was a life and death thing. It's like watching Braveheart. Like, just imagine Braveheart yeah. if you've yeah. ever seen, you know— that's the picture I want to put in your mind. This was the early church. It was not, you know, quiet and peaceful and stained glass windows. Yeah. I'm going to stick around. It was Braveheart. Yeah. You know. Yeah, you, you, you're, you're standing up for what you believe. And so in this time, the apostles all stay, yet all the, the believers, Joe and Jill, average believer, they all leave town. And, and, and so what happens, Scott? The church explodes. That's crazy. The church explodes, and who explodes the church, Scott? The believers explode the church, not the apostles, because the apostles stay in Jerusalem. So clearly, the apostles continued on with the Jesus style of discipleship, which is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And what is the work of the ministry? It is to share. It's to preach the kingdom of God. It is to heal the sick. It is to see legs grow out. It is to uh, you know take authority over the spirit of depression and break that thing off of a teenage a teenager. It is to to do the works of the ministry, set people free, and by doing that, you are sharing the gospel with them. Yeah, the paradigm we have going on right now in American Christianity is we're all waiting for permission from ooh, the guy. Ooh. We're all waiting for permission from the guy or the team or the small group class that we get approval for to, to, to go through. This is a completely different paradigm. We, we're trying to get you to see the biblical style of lifestyle evangelism, lifestyle. It doesn't say go only extroverts into all the world and preach the gospel. I hear this all the time, Steve, like, Oh, well, that's because that's your thing. No. Right. It's our thing. It's everybody's thing. This should be all of our thing. Like, if you're an introvert, go reach introverts. You know how to reach them. I don't. Yeah. I annoy them. They get <laughs> bothered by me. I don't mean to bother them. It's unintentional. I want everybody to catch this. Like, stop waiting for permission. Please stop waiting. It's never going to happen. So this is a you know this is for every person listening. Do you need permission when Jesus has already given you permission to go the great commission is your permission from Jesus. It really is. To go ye into all the world, preach the gospel, heal the sick, raise the dead, set people free, expose them to the kingdom of God. And that you have already, if somebody tells you that you do not have permission and they're in any kind of church leadership, you need to find a new church 
<laughs> because that is not what Jesus has instructed, and we are called to follow Jesus, uh, and we're followers of Jesus. He is the way, and if a, if a person tells you something contrary to what the Scriptures say, you need to respectfully love them and move on and find yourself a place that encourages uh, you know, doing the work of the ministry. Listen, we're all sent ones. This is a this is a mentality that has to be broken. Steve, I've been told, Steve, that I'm not a sent one because I wasn't sent by an apostle. Right. Apostle so and so didn't send you, therefore. I'm not sent. And I'm going, What in the world? Who told you this? Who's the head of the church, Scott? Jesus sent people all day long. It's right in scripture. He didn't say you have to be a son in the faith. He doesn't say that. Does that happen? It does happen through discipleship and community. Yeah. A bond gets formed. Steve and I have a bond. Yes. Um, you know, I get it. I get the premise, but it's become a system. Right. So someone told me I'm not sent. I'm not a sent one here because an apostle or a ministry didn't send me. I'm actually more sent I know it's going to sound crazy. I'm more sent than someone who was sent from a ministry because I'm actually sent by God. Like there was no structure for me to get sent through. I got shot out of a cannon. It's interesting because when you look at the New Testament church, who did they listen to? They listened to Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is the administrator of the church, and he will send people to go do things um, and you don't need anyone's permission to follow the Holy Spirit. And so we look at Acts chapter 8, and it says, And Philip went to Samaria. Now, who's Philip? Philip is, I like to say Philip is Phil. It's just Phil. It's just a regular guy. Wasn't he the guy waiting tables, wasn't yes. he? Yes. Right. He was, that's right. He goes to Samaria. Clearly, he had something in him by Holy Spirit to say, go here, and, he, and, he, and he, he didn't ask for permission of the apostles to go do this. He had already been given permission from Jesus. The apostles discipled the way that Jesus discipled. Everyone gets to play the game. He goes into the city. He shares the gospel. Uh, he preaches the gospel, and it says that, you know, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. So clearly, Scott, healings and miracles are part of preaching. Are part of preaching the gospel. Jesus said, you can believe me because of my words or believe me because of my works. Therefore, works of healing and miracle is preaching the gospel and you have been invited into this ministry of preaching the gospel in your ecosystem. It's huge. I mean, that right there dispels so many things because... I'm going to throw out another phrase, Steve, that, holy, uh -oh. yeah, I know, it's my specialty. <laughs> you know, I love kicking sacred cows because when I, when I came here to New Hampshire, I had no intentions of getting involved in any of this. I really didn't. I knew something was going on, but as I've walked this out, I've learned this as I've, as I've gone, and I was told Holy Spirit is not for Sundays. When I got here, uh -oh. I got told that's for um, the new thing now is to build community. So there are small groups for that. Maybe you might find that in small groups. But the problem I have with that, and again, I'm not trying to be a problem person. I'm not 
I'm I'm reading scripture and I'm not seeing scripture modeled, <laughs> Steve. So I have this paradigm going on in me, this rub going, I don't see Jesus saying that. He didn't say, sign up for the group. And in that group, you might see Holy Spirit. He just did it with them. And they came back and said, oh my God, it worked. Yeah. That's what I'm after. I'm after the real thing, the authentic way, not a system. And so Jesus didn't say this was only for, you know, small group settings. It's not in there. He didn't say it's only for Sundays. In fact, when he went into those temples, he caused a lot of problems. You know, he healed the guy with the withered arm. Yeah, that's in right. In the temple. So clearly he's modeling it over and over. He's modeling kingdom. And this is what I'm after, Steve. This is what I want everybody listening to to realize you can do it. You can do this. This is not difficult. It's actually fun. This is the most fun I've ever had as a believer. Well, and it's interesting because Scott and I, when we when we first started doing uh, doing some of these trainings to equip people, the first one we did this year uh, was a full day one. And then after the full day one, we're like, dear God, that's that was way exhausting. too long. <laughs> and so we're like, how do we trim this down? And, and we trimmed it down to like, you know, about a two and a half hour, three hour session of some some uh, some teaching some training on how to pray, and then a time of people actually doing it, actually putting their pole in the water for themselves and praying for themselves. And we found, uh, it seems like even better results, This, like the, the easier shorter. and the shorter and the simpler we made it, the more results we got from the people that had been sitting in church pews for 20 years They've never seen a healing or a miracle from their prayer. And all of a sudden, in a two, three-hour session, they get unlocked, and the person gets healed, and the person praying is just their eyeballs are big like 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 cow eyes. Just unbelievable. Oh, my God, this thing works. And so um, what we're saying is we want to, we, we you know, um, there's just, you're living... <laughs> Most of us Can are you tell living, we're excited? <laughs> yes. Most of us are living in a system. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard to get that paradigm system. off of yes. us, Steve. And and uh, well, first, we want you to make aware that you're living in a church system, but, um, but we're really to follow Jesus and to follow his scripture. And if, we're, uh, if you find things in the word that don't line up with how you're living, um, then... You know, it's upon us to make the adjustments and go, okay, well, maybe there's something here I don't know. Maybe I'm not walking in the fullness of what Jesus has for me. Let me go find that out. Let me go explore that. And as a believer, you're called to follow Jesus. You have every right. You well, don't that's need what anyone's I was just permission say is, is, to I go think, do that. I think what we're recommending is use the Bible as your as your, you know, discipleship dictionary. Put everything on Jesus. And what we're taught in American Christianity is put everything on the system. Yeah. And there's a difference. And so because we've had decades of doing that, we're having a decay. Just a, a, our culture is decaying so rapidly the church can't keep up. American Christianity can't keep up with the decay of our culture. So we're being forced. There are pockets of this happening across the country. And in New England, we're, we're just like, we're so behind, <laughs> you know, but God is bigger. He can do it in the blink of an eye. 
And we had massive results. I mean, the one we did in Norwalk, Connecticut, 26 people came to the workshop. 26 people came out to the tent. Yeah. And not only did they come to do the stuff from the workshop, but they brought a friend. Many of them brought a friend then to the tent and the friends did things who didn't even go to the workshop. And all of a sudden, while walking around that by the last day of the Norwalk Oyster Festival going, literally, it was like, it was like a gospel, you know, bomb went off. We're all going around. This is a, this is so fun. Like <laughs> this is the most fun. Let's go get barbecue. And like, Come on, who doesn't want to eat barbecue with friends and go preach the gospel? Like, it doesn't get any better. Like, we're standing in line waiting for this amazing barbecue, award-winning barbecue, preaching the gospel, going, man, this is awesome. You know, Scott, what was the, what was the name of the lady that got healed? She had glasses. She's, I think she's in her 40s, right? She's dark hair. She got healed uh, of something in her eyesight. And then she came to the following workshop like a month and a month and a half oh, later. I can't remember her name. And, and, she was and on fire. She was on fire. She had been wearing glasses for, I don't know, her whole life or 20-something years, whatever it was. And she got healed in one of, those, one of these workshops. And, you know, six weeks later, she shows up to the next one, no glasses on, and she is praying for anything that fireball. moves. She got unlocked. I was actually afraid of her at one she, point. <laughs> she got unlocked. She's like, oh, my gosh, I can I can partner with Holy Spirit, and I can pray these simple prayers and see people get healed and set free. Well, then we used her at the following workshop yes. to, to lead a, a, a session because— and this is our point. Like, wait, there's no wait. She didn't have to go through she discipleship didn't have to classes. Go through the class, there was no, you know, doctrination of, you know, like we're gonna knight you. It was just boom. Like, tell her she everyone. wasn't an ordained minister. It's like when I caught a fish with my daughter. The first question she asked me when we went fishing this summer was, "Dad, what'd you catch it on?" That's our point. Yeah. What color was the lure? How did it work? That's what we're after. That's the testimony. <laughs> it's like. That's the power of the testimony. And this woman was on fire. We, we found out later she grew up in a church home. She grew up in a, a spirit-filled pastor home. Yeah. She had never done this stuff before, and she got so turned on. Um, it was amazing to see. <laughs> and then she brought, oh, this was awesome because yeah. then she brought her daughter. Yeah. And her daughter brought her boyfriend, and we got them turned on. That's what we're after. And now the whole family, and this is what we're trying to, the point that we're trying to make as we we begin to wrap up this show here, is that it, it, it's not about bring a friend to church, the building. It's, a, it's you are the church. You and Holy Spirit have been given a ministry, and as you go out and pray and you see somebody get healed, then that affects that family. Then, then, then you get to go into that family and pray for those family members, and then the whole household gets saved. Isn't that what we see uh, with Cornelius's house and Peter? The whole household we're after. gets saved. And so you don't need permission. You've already been commissioned by Jesus this is your ministry. This is not the pastor's job to go do this, the prophet, the apostle. Nobody can fill the shoes of your ministry in your ecosystem and the families and the people in your in your ecosystem. That's for you, and that is the that is the invitation that Jesus has brought you into. Oh, it's a great, it's a great in the next segment, we're gonna dive deeper into some of this. 
um, about, you know, church versus kingdom, um, we're going to keep emphasizing for you and, and dive into the paradigm that we're facing and the things that we're up against. There's two things that we're facing. We're going to talk about that. Stay tuned for more on Kingdom Come. We'll talk to you later.